Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Well, we are joined today by the director, producer, narrator of this amazing film, called not film and i am going to since i i'm going to be sort of flummoxed or fumbling to describe this project i am going to ask my guest today that would be ross Lippman, director producer writer and narrator of this film to describe what not film is and how you came to hi ross how are you hi how's it going <laughs> Good. i am sorry i just i know i'm not going to do it well so why don't you describe for me because this is such an amazing collaboration and unusual film in many ways so have at it please describe it sure uh, i suppose i should start by saying that i worked for many years as senior film restorationist at the ucla film and television archive and while i was there i had the pleasure of connecting with barney rossett the wonderful producer of a film made by samuel beckett Barney Rossett was the publisher of Grove Press. He was Beckett's American publisher and a very important figure in the 1960s counterculture, uh, fighting many good battles for freedom of speech. And he long had ambitions of film, and so he contracted Beckett to write a script. Beckett was influenced by silent films, and they invited Buster Keaton to star in the film as one of his very last roles. They shot in the summer of 1964, and so you had this extraordinary collaboration between Samuel Beckett and Buster Keaton. And I connected with Barney. I got him to donate, or rather to deposit his original materials at the UCLA Film and Television Archive, and then we proceeded to get funding to restore it. Uh, the funding came from Martin Scorsese's National, uh, from Martin Scorsese's Film Foundation and the National Film Preservation Foundation. Okay. So I preserved the film. This took multiple years, but along the way, I got so caught up in the story of Beckett and Keaton's collaboration. It was a really a, a star-crossed mix. They they got along fine, but they didn't really see eye to eye. Uh, Keaton didn't quite get what uh, Beckett was up to, or he did get it, but pretended he didn't. And uh, so it's, it's kind of a rocky, friendly but rocky collaboration. Barney also gave me some extraordinary uh, outtake materials, including Keaton at work, a lost that had not been edited, and also some production recordings uh, of Beckett in uh, meetings with the great cinematographer Boris Kaufman. Anyway, all these things came together. I felt I had to tell the story, and so I made Not Film, the film about Samuel Beckett's film. Right. Well, thank you, because, boy, we would have been here all day, and I would have never gotten as, that done as good a <laughs> we job. We're only here half the, the day that way. Yeah, <laughs> no. Doing it. No, it is. It's true. It's it's Beckett. Now, Samuel Beckett, again, I, I think you maybe you didn't mention, is best known for Waiting for Godot, for people who don't have any idea who he is. He also was responsible for one of the great sort of authors, philosophers, thinkers, you know, big brain people around, especially in his uh, – of his time and 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 since then he's held, he's stood the test of time, and then you have Buster yeah he, he of course won the Nobel Prize and uh, oh, right, the, right. one of the leading figures uh, cultural figures of the last century without a doubt no doubt and then you have on the other side in my humble opinion one of the great 
filmmakers of all time. One of my favorite, one of sort of the sort of my Mount Rushmore of filmmakers and people who have influenced in terms of just his sense of humor and his persona and the face. I would just call him the face of of uh, so many great films, including The General and so many others. Uh, Buster Keaton, again, a seminal artist. And uh, so the two of them together, <laughs> it's just such an amazing collaboration. And, and and I get what you're saying. And in fact, in the film, in not you allude to, well, let, let's this package that you've done for film, not film. I mean, you've these are sort of combined together. It describes. Oh yes, I should explain that. Um, you know, I've had a long-standing relationship with the wonderful Milestone Films in New Jersey. Yes, they distributed a number of my restorations, including Charles Burnett's Killer of Sheep, Kent McKenzie's The Exiles, Shirley Clark's The Connection, on and on. We had a we've had a long-standing friendship and collaboration. They, uh, I'm joking to their regret. I don't think it's to their regret. They agreed to <laughs> not only distribute a film but also to help produce not film we originally conceived of not film being much shorter perhaps just as a bonus feature on the film dvd it, it grew to such a, a extent that it became a feature in its own right yeah. and it was a seven-year journey of production and we're now finally uh, releasing the dvds we did a theatrical tour of the film last year played throughout the u.s and the world it's in fact still touring but we're finally completing the dvds and blu-rays which feature not just not film, which is a deep dive into the archives, which I expect cinephiles will be uh, particularly attracted to, but also a lot of bonus features. So Keaton and Beckett specialists, I think, are going to be surprised. There's a lot of wonderful outtake material and the bonus featurettes on the DVD, and that's going to be released on March 7th. Fantastic. Yeah, and I just want to point people, if they want to know more about uh, the film, they can go to... Um, not well. See, I want to make sure I get the website. Film by Samuel Beckett. Does that sound right? Am I? Yes. www.filmbysamuelbeckett.com. Uh, uh, www okay. Good. Good. They can go there, and then from there they can. Uh, there's links to upcoming screenings. The next public screening that I see listed here is on the sixth of February, which is where is that? Uh, March. I'm March, sorry. I meant, oh, did it say February? No, 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 it doesn't. I, no, no, no. I, I saw February 11th. It was just below it. I, I'm sorry. March 6th, there's a screening at the Film Forum. In, in New York, at yeah. Film Forum. Yeah. But, but for uh, uh, South uh, Southern California residents, there is going to be a screening at the American Cinematheque, um, I believe, March 16th. And I'll also, for those who uh, really want to learn more about the project, I'll be doing uh, – uh, a presentation on the whole project itself, encompassing both the restoration of film, the making of not film, uh, the bonus features, and so on. That will be on the 15th at Stories Bookstore in Los Angeles in right. Echo Park. Right. So you could, in theory, go to both. There won't be much duplication between those two programs. One is about the project, and then the other is the project, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, this is, again, I, I, you, you, you alluded to your work, and, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to have, uh, a, you, you were part of a, an interview we did some time ago on The Exiles. We've had... Uh, the Killer of Sheep, we've talked about that on the show. Your work is just remarkable. Two exceptional films. I know people who I've randomly mentioned, you know, The Exiles, too, who have popped up and said, oh, my God, I remember seeing that movie. That was 
really something. And for people who don't know, it's kind of the story of American Native Americans living in in and around the area of Bunker Hill back in the fifties. And a remarkable movie that. Yeah, it is. It is. It's got such extraordinary cinematography. It's this amazing document of Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and the specific neighborhood of Los Angeles at that period of time, as well as this uh, Native American community, which is no longer there. Right. And it's really a remarkable time capsule. And as yeah, well no, as The Killer of Sheep, Charles Burnett's film, one of the truly one of the seminal works, since it, if you want to call it independent filmmaking, whatever you want to call it, a remarkable uh, narrative film about an African-American community living in Watts. And just a, it's, again, I think so many filmmakers uh, today can uh, look at that film as kind of a, uh, a Rosetta Stone for so much of their work. Um, I'm, uh, I've heard other, particularly African-American filmmakers, who saw this as such a humanizing film that a, a, a side of an American, African-American uh, family that would never be seen in regular cinema, and Charles Burnett's continues to have that kind of an impact even today. Yeah, it, it's nice to be a killer of heat because it's, it's so uh, unsensationalist. It, right. It just shows you these quiet moments in these people's lives, and you get to, you really feel you get to know them. And But I've been fortunate to work on these wonderful projects uh, for uh, many years. Uh, like I said, it was at UCLA Film yeah. and Television Archive, but since then I've been continuing to work on a lot of great projects. Uh, since I left, I've been working on film and not film, and I've also been working with the state of artist Bruce Connor, the extraordinary yeah. American collagist who in many ways can be seen to have invented modern found footage film and contributed to the birth of the music video in a good way. He was, he was doing this as an artist, not as commerce. And a lot of the early music videos looked to the experimental films that he had made. And his work just um, uh, is in the middle of touring the world right now. A career retrospective is currently at the Reina Sofia Museum in Madrid. It's just been at uh, MoMA. And, and I also just did a new live documentary on his film called Crossroads, which deals with the Bikini Atoll atomic bomb test. So it's a live documentary on the atomic bomb tests and also this great artist. I, I do the narration live. So I've been really fortunate to work on these projects over the years. Well, Ross Lemon, I do remember even when you came on to talk about the Exiles, talking about Bruce at that time. So you've been involved with that. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I remember oh, you talking about. I talking about him that, that long ago. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you I, were I, talking about this sort of. Okay. thing. You even mentioned this kind of uh, precursor to found footage. I just I remember very much because I was interested. I went online and kind of looked looked for him after our conversation. So it's great to hear that you're still a part of that. But I want to ask you. Well, by the way, we're speaking with Ross Lipman, and he is here to talk about. This amazing collaborative collaboration between Samuel Beckett and uh, Buster Keaton, and how it's morphed into something called, well, not film, but it's film, not film, and the the, the collaboration of these two artists for the for the Beckett film, and then, as you said, all this sort of other footage that came uh, came from all of that, and um, um, remarkable stuff. But you made a decision somewhere along the line to do this with your own uh, narration. Uh, what went right. into that decision? How did you, is that you felt like you needed the the sort of th- through the thread through to run through it, or what what happened in in your decision making? Well, there's a couple of things going on there. Uh, one is not film is not just a, telling the story of Beckett and Keaton, but it's it it the, the making of film Beckett's film touched on so many uh, amazing. Things that were going on at that era, the collaboration of the personalities. I tell a little bit of the stories of each of them. 
I connect the dots to previous efforts in film history that dealt with films about film. Yeah. Beckett named his movie film. This is very much an investigation of what cinema is. And Beckett was brilliant and incredibly erudite and, and had an in-depth knowledge of world literature, but he was not a cinema expert. He had a love of cinema and an interest in it, but he was not an expert. So I kind of connected dots yeah. to some others who had been exploring these questions for many years. And writing a, a text was a way to help me guide myself through all these different cultural touchstones and points that I was trying to connect. Also, I should mention that I'm working very much in the tradition of the essay film, which I guess can trace back to Zika Veritov, who figures strongly in the film in ways that I won't spoil by yes. telling it over the radio. Yes. But also uh, Chris Marker, Tom Anderson, these uh, filmmakers who use cinema as a means to express not just information, but ideas. Yeah. And it's a very personalized form, and so the narration is really a way to help bring all these things together. Yeah, and I like you even call it Kino essay, which I'm not sure that reference. So you have to help me out. With that. Yeah, that's referencing several things. Uh, Ziga Veritov is, of course, the great uh, Russian experimentalist who made the film Man with a Movie Camera back oh, in 1926. Right. And he tended to put Kino before everything. Uh, the Kino eye is his most famous expression, the cinema eye. But he also used Kino in other uh, in other contexts. The Kino Ear with his film Enthusiasm in 19, yeah. the early 1930s when he was experimenting with sound. And so I'm uh, making a nod of the ha- head to Ziga Vertov, the great Russian experimentalist, by calling this a Kino essay. Yeah. Well, it is a wonderful, wonderful film. I'm so, I mean, first of all, for so many reasons, it's great to see uh, Samuel Beckett back in sort of front of people. Again, Beckett was both known for theater, and here he is taking on the world of cinema. As you said, he had a love for it, but obviously this is a heavy lift for anyone, especially someone with this very specific kind of objective and sort of uh, artistic sensibility about it. That's a lot. It's a lot to take on. Yes. Um, and he had help, certainly, and then he had obviously the, the, the face, <laughs> Buster Keaton, and, and he, using him in, in, in this project, but... Again, to see Buster Keaton again and just uh, – I, I have a real quick – this is very quick. I was a young boy, very uh, – back in the early 60s, and I, my dad would get up early to go to work, and when he would get up, I would get up and watch cartoons. And there was a cartoon show on uh, a local – I want to say Channel 5. It might have been Channel 9. And Buster Keaton was on that show. He was doing, like, mm-hmm. live uh, skits in studio. Right. Do you know about the? I remember the guy's name being Commander Riptide was the name of the like the host of this show. He used to show Crusader Rabbit cartoons, but Buster <laughs> Keaton was on that show. Do you know of this? I don't know of that show, but I will say that in his later years, Keaton was uh, doing a lot of television and a lot of smaller gigs that you wouldn't necessarily expect. He was really a lifelong devotee of the theater and performance and cinema, and he just kept on working. It didn't matter what he was doing. He did a few things, which I'm sure many people don't consider the highest quality, but he really kept on working, and that was what he was about. He started as a toddler. He he was literally on the stage with his family at, you know, some accounts have it as early as age two, but certainly when he was very, very young. Well, and... 
Yeah, and then it continued on until just right before his death, and right, well, he was doing a lot of this type of thing in the night in the '60s. Well, Ross, if you happen to come across it, I swear to you, the name of the show or the host was a guy named Commander Riptide. They did it from a submarine, but Buster Keaton was on that show. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's really, I, I was like Sounds five like years a, old. A lost gem waiting yeah. to be discovered. Yeah, I'm hoping you'll find it for me, Ross. All right. Well, thank <laughs> you so much, Ross Lipman, for being here. The show, the film is not film. You can go to not film. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, film by Samuel Beckett. Uh, dot com to find out more about this and some other things. And shout out to Dennis Doros and Amy Heller from Milestone. And thank you, Ross Lipman, for being here on on Film School. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Bye. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.